All right, guys, we are live. How is everyone doing tonight? So we're going to be changing things up. So, oh my goodness. See, anytime I get going, <laughs> I create a problem. You guys might notice that uh, uh, my co-host looks a little bit uh, different. Not not normally, not, I got to say, not as pretty. Uh, <laughs> but, but doing... <laughs> filling in so abby's away right now uh she's she's off visiting some family for thanksgiving yes in canada our thanksgiving is a little bit different than you guys uh so dan offered to uh fill in his co-host but and press buttons at the same time and press buttons at the same time so i greatly appreciate you doing that dan and keep me in check because today i'm going to be reacting to some things that actually might get me a little frustrated might get me a little angry. I might say some cuss words or, 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 or whatever. But anyways, today on the show, uh, we're going to be talking about a few things. Like I said, we're going to switch up the format because normally we went from just like one subject and we just went on and on and on and on about that same subject. So I actually wanted to talk about a few things, things that we we're going over uh, throughout the week. Uh, first thing we're going to be talking about is Olivia Wilde called Jordan Peterson, uh, the king of the incels, which was very interesting. Uh, and then we're also looking at Ned Fulmer. Ned Fulmer was kicked out of the Try Guys. And then we're going to be reacting to some TikTok videos that were made about me because I, uh, I, well, I, I stood up towards the atheist community. Uh, not like atheists are bad, but the atheist community that attacks Christians nonstop. I made a video about that. And a lot of people made responses to me. So I didn't have time to respond to every single video that was made about me. I, that's all I would have done is had videos for each person every single day. So I decided to just put them all together. I didn't even get all of them. There's a ridiculous amount that were made and I just put some together. Uh, things, ones that I found interesting and we're gonna respond to that. And then finally, we're gonna end off uh, talking about Jeffrey Dahmer. Is he saved? That's been the topic of conversation I've seen lately because recently they put out that Netflix special where it's just, I don't know, they were just going over his life and things that happened. And, and that was the topic that came at hand because uh, he had that interview uh, where he claimed Jesus Christ is Lord. And yeah, so we're going to talk about that. But I'm not actually going to be focusing on, focused on Jeffrey too much. I'm going to actually be focused on the topic. Uh, with that being said, we're going to get started. Uh, we're going to be reacting to Jordan Peterson talking to Pierce. Is it Pierce Morgan? Pierce? Pierce. Pierce. Pierce Morgan, uh, they had an interview and they went over the Olivia Wilde calling him the king of the incels. We're going to get that started here now. I've got to wrap it up. I don't want to, but I have to. Uh, I want to ask you just quickly, uh, the film director, Olivia Wilde, has a new movie out, which yeah. she says is based on you, this insane man, this pseudo-intellectual hero to the incel community, incel being these weirdo loner men uh, who are you know, despicable in many ways. Is that you? Are you the intellectual hero to these people? So Pierce doesn't fully explain it there, but uh, incel actually is involuntarily celibate. A lot of people don't know that, but it's basically the idea that you're a guy who cannot, uh, you can't get a wife, right? You're basically, you haven't gotten any, not because you choose to, but simply because you can't. And basically that's what she was calling out Jordan Peterson, saying that he is the hero to those guys. It's a very mocking term that's going around nowadays. Sure, why not? You know, um, people have been after me for a long time by, because I've been speaking to disaffected young men. You know, what a terrible thing to do that is. I thought the marginalized were supposed to have a voice. 
so Jordan doesn't really go into why he gets upset in this video. It kind of touches on it a little bit. Um, but I have a theory on why he's getting upset. And that because that's because I've been a longtime fan of Jordan Peterson. I've been a fan of Jordan probably since the moment he had his claim to fame. Uh, when you talk about, talked about the speech laws that were changing in Canada, a lot of people think that he was anti-trans. Uh, he, he never was anti-trans. He was anti the government dictating what you get to say and not get to say. That, that's basically what he was saying is that you cannot dictate our speech, but because it was centered around uh, the speech that was towards uh, trans people, uh, people kind of came at him. And this was, this was his raised, rise to fame. Is basically he said, you cannot dictate my speech. And they said, well, you're against trans, the trans community, which wasn't true at all. That, that wasn't what he was doing. Now, the reason he's getting upset is because when he had his claim to fame, he capitalized on that, which anybody should. When you have that many eyes looking at you and you have a platform, you should capitalize on that. There, there's nothing wrong with that. And what he started doing is he started just releasing his lectures that he had in his class. So he'd go to, in his classes and, and he would just explain to people the concepts of, um, oh my goodness, what's, what's the word when you're, you're a doctor talks about people's emotions? Oh, psychologist. Psychologist, thank yeah. you. So he talked about his uh, psychologist concepts and uh, this stood out towards men. And this is who he talked to a lot. And he helped a lot of men find purpose and meaning in their life. Being able to say, hey, you know what? My life isn't being fulfilled. I'm not, I don't feel good. And Jordan Peterson said, the reason you don't feel good is because you're not actually doing anything purposeful in your life. And a lot of men heard that, myself included. I was, I was one of those men. I wasn't doing anything in my life. And I listened to him and he's like, if you start seeking out purpose, you will achieve goals. Now, what happened is people started saying, you're wrong for helping men. And it's been an ongoing thing where he has two, two things happening. Because I've heard him talk about this where people will come up to him and they'll say, you've changed my life for the better. You've, you've made me a better person. You've helped me improve on the things that are going on around me. And I've seen him get emotional on that note uh, simply because of the change that he's had. You can hear him when he's talking to uh, Joe Rogan about this. He gets very emotional because of the lives that he's changed. But then on the other note, you have people painting him like, you know, that Red Skull incident. We have Olivia Wilde here calling him a pseudo-intellectual pseudo king of the incels. And I know he kind of like signed up for this when he got famous, but we have to remember that he is human. And no matter how tough you are, you can only take so much criticism before it starts to get you, especially when your goal is to help help people. And, and anyway, so that's that's my theory on why he's getting upset because it's a lot. Ultimately, his goal is he's trying to help improve people's lives and people are coming down on him for it. It's making you emotional to talk about it. Well, God, you know, it's very difficult to understand how demoralized people are. And certainly many young men are in that category. And you get these casual insults, these, these incels. What do they mean? It's like, well, these men, they're, they don't know how to make themselves attractive to women who are very picky and good for them. Women, like, be picky. That's, that's your gift, man. Demand high standards from your men. Fair enough. But all these men who are alienated, it's like, 
they're lonesome and, and, and they don't know what to do and everyone piles abuse on them. When she said that. And, and this is what I actually love about Jordan Peterson here is he could have very easily took a, good, a ground where he, uh, he went at Olivia Wilde and he could have destroyed her. He could have been like, absolutely not. This is not what I'm doing. Like you could see uh, him responding because it was uh, Michaela Peterson, his daughter, who brought it to his attention. And he's like, I'm, I'm a pseudo intellectual. Uh, I have a ridiculous amount of papers published, which is like similar to getting your doctorate every time you publish these papers. I don't know how he said it. He's like, so it's like I got my doctorate 33 times and I'm cited this many times. So it's like he's not a pseudo intellectual. They showed videos of him uh, basically telling men, uh, you know, if you're not getting a wife, whose problem is it? That is it. Is it the girl's problem or is it your problem? It's your problem. So he's basically saying step up and, and don't be an incel. Um, but what I loved about what he did is he just he owned it. He's like, OK, I'm king of the incels here. Why is that a problem? Right. If there actually are these men out there. Like it's an insult, right? It's it's uh, to call someone an incel. Incel is to be like, you're so broken and detached from reality, you can't get yourself a wife. And he says, I'm trying to help those people. Why is that a problem? And and that's that shows his character, that shows his nature, and that's something I absolutely love about him. I, th I think it's phenomenal because, like I said, he he could have just destroyed Olivia Wilde here. Olivia Wilde. It, it stung you, didn't it? That's all the oh, by that time, you know, that as far as, as criti critiques go, that was kind of low level. I mean, once I got painted as Red Skull, you know, magical super Nazi, that was kind of the end of the insults. There's no place past that. So when Olivia Wilde made those comments, the first thing I did was go look at the preview for her movie, which I quite liked. I thought I would go see that movie probably. and. You see the preview for that movie? No, I didn't. It's actually, it actually looks, um, it actually looks good. I'm not going to lie. Like I watched it and I'm like, I might actually go watch this movie. But the only reason I don't want to is because I'm like a bitter person. <laughs> I'm like, you insulted somebody I like, so I don't want to support you. Uh, but it actually, it actually looks like a good movie. Um, and I, I thought it was really cool because you figured out, uh, who's the guy who played um, Captain Kirk in the new Star Trek movies? Oh, man. I'm I'm way back. You're I'm too old back. for that. Too old. <laughs> Anyways, that guy. I'm a William Shatner guy. So. <laughs> <laughs> the guy who uh, the guy who played. Um, Ask the audience. Yeah. Uh, do you guys know who? Um, uh, either TikTok or YouTube. Do you guys know who who played uh, uh, Captain Kirk in the new Star Trek movies? Like the brand new ones came out. That guy is the guy who's playing Jordan Peterson. Like Into Darkness. That that yeah. movie. Yeah. Yeah. Those ones. And, and I thought it was really cool because you could see like Jordan Peter's man mannerisms in him. He did a really good job. Like it's only like small clips, but it's just like, you know, how Jordan Peterson does this all the time with his hands. He mm -hmm. was doing that. And it's really cool to see like somebody get portrayed as the villain. I think that's what would make it a good movie. I just, you know, I like Peterson. So it's like kind of like. Do you find that he's actually exemplifying what most guys just want to say? You know, I mean, we have our puffed upness, you know, we're dudes and we want to like, there's always this element of pride, but he actually exemplifies the opposite of that. It's like, he gets accused of being effeminate, hmm. but I don't find a guy who stands on principles who sits comfortably and confidently effeminate. I think, I think he does say a lot of the things that we want to say, but I think he does it better, which is another, because there's yeah. a lot of guys who say these things, but they say it in like a very grotesque way. 
Hmm. Uh, and therefore, um, it kind of gets, it, it looks wrong. It looks bad. Like, um, when I, when I posted my video earlier the week about Jordan Peterson, uh, somebody made a comment. I thought it was funny. It's like Jordan Peterson greater than Andrew Tate. <laughs> it's like, well, yeah, um, I don't, I don't like, I don't like Andrew Tate because he, he's kind of a, he's kind of a douche to be honest. Um, but does Andrew Tate say all bad things? No, he actually says some very credible things, but not well. Well, and that, that brings a very important point, which is always missing nowadays is it's okay to disagree with people, which mm -hmm. Jordan says all the time. Mm -hmm. I can get along with people I actually don't like. I can actually agree and disagree on certain things, but cancel culture says, no, you're not allowed to. No, not at all. There's you're a... either all in or you're all out. Yeah. If you disagree with me, you're evil. Yeah. And actually I would say that's even a church thing. You Let's think so? be honest. You know, if you're either for me or you're against me. You're not a member of the church, then you're, you're, you're one of those. Or even just an idea or it's, you know, Calvinism and Arminianism. It's Baptists or Pentecostal. Calvinists. Yeah, I know. <laughs> uh, and, and you're right, though, about that. And I, I want to bring up, uh, uh, there's somebody, he might be watching, I don't know, uh, my friend Steve, Helping Humans. Uh, he's an atheist and, uh, he, we disagree literally about everything. I haven't found a subject where me and him agree on at all. And we're still friends. Well, I was going to say, but you get along. Yeah. And in fact, in, in a respectful friendship, that'll actually jazz it up. It makes it fun to talk about. Yeah. Right. And we can sit there. I disagree, but we don't get heated. We don't. And, and, and here's something that really annoyed me when I became a Christian is that I, I had these friends to start, but once they realized my viewpoints, they're like. I don't want to talk to you anymore. Yeah, Anyways. exit stage left. Yes. Yeah, get out of here. Anyways, continuing on. So I will. It didn't really bother me. My, my family and I talked about it right away, and we were able to respond to it with some degree of humor, which then people completely misunderstood. I said I hope that, you know, that if I had to be played by someone, he's a very good-looking man, and so that seems all right, you know. And then I said something like, I hope he gets my, my uh, fashion style choice right when <laughs> very fashionate me. it was a joke all that was a joke i mean but, you've been so controlled today and yet in that brief moment you got very emotional why it's really something to see constantly how many people are dying for a lack of an encouraging word. Mm. And how easy it is to provide that if you're careful, you know, to give credit where credit is due. And to say, you're a net force for good if you want to be. Do you believe you're a net force for good? Net? Yes. In all the details? Probably not. You know, no one's perfect. So, people make their mistakes as they stumble uphill. Jordan's been a fascinating. And that's the, um, I think that's the part where we as a society as a whole have failed, is that we've now categorized people. And we've stopped looking at people as people. Um, you know, the incel community. 
these men that don't have purpose, these men that don't know how to find a wife, uh, these men that, you know, when you envision them, they're just like they're, they're living at home in their mom's basement, uh, doing nothing at all. And then they're a placeholder for mockery. And that's the way we look at them. Instead of looking at them being like, what do you need to be a contributor to society? Uh, what do you need to be ultimately better than you were before? And this is a, I don't, I don't actually consider myself fully right winged. I, I definitely lean more right than I do left on a lot of things. There's some things I disagree with, but this is something that, that, um, I, I completely disagree with on on the left where they failed is they they advocate for empathy a large part of it they 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 were the empathetic let's let's help people that need it but they only focus on those that they deem are not in power so for for example a man a white male especially is not is not deserving of empathy um because they're a person who is in power. Now, will, will I say that, you know, there, I do believe in uh, white privilege. Uh, personally, I, I think that is a thing, primarily because we live in a primarily white Western community, uh, Western uh, uh, country, you know, United States and Canada. And, and it's just going to happen because they're, you're similar. But that does not mean that the individual uh, doesn't need leadership doesn't need empathy, doesn't need uh, someone to look up for, look up to. So I actually have uh, a piece of scripture here that I'm going to pull up that I actually think was important um, on what was happening here and why I think what I think uh, Jordan Peterson Peterson's actually doing. Uh, it's First Peter five and it says, "So I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ." as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have set the example, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not demeaning over those in your charge, but being an example to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to your elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you with humility toward one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at a proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls under like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist him firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all your grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To him be the dominion forever and ever. Amen. So I've said this with uh, Abby. I say, if there was ever a man that I've seen personally in, in today's day and age that without claiming Jesus, now I'd still think you have to do that, but without claiming Jesus uh, would be saved. I think that is Jordan Peterson because he, he lives, he, he's made that claim. Uh, he lives as if God is real. And I actually think this verse 
specifically points out how he behaves in life. He's older. He's got a crown of wisdom. He's looking to guide the younger generations. Uh, he's setting the example. And it's for us to be humble and recognize that he's not perfect. Nobody's perfect. But it's good to have, and, and men, it's, it's hard for us to admit this, that we need, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Somebody you look up to. We need a mentor. A mentor. Some Yeah, somebody who's wise. Yeah, counsel. Um, mentor, counsel, a hero, uh, even. Uh, somebody to admire. Somebody to look at. Um, a father figure. And, and I think Jordan Peterson's a father figure to uh, many people that haven't had it. Has he ever proclaimed that he's a Christian or not a Christian? He won't. Right. So if you... So taking a step back from the absolute, mm-hmm. how do we judge a Christian? By the fruits. Right. So does he have fruits that would exemplify, I, I use that word too many times today, um, would example the fruits of the Spirit? Love, joy, peace, pace, patience, kindness, thankfulness, goodness, like all of those things I see in him. Mm-hmm. So barring him actually committing to it because he's a public figure in the public sphere where people are just sucking him dry for tell me what you think he's he's holding that close to his chest maybe maybe i don't know it's just an opinion but why does he have to take a stance that will then again get judged and then he'll go through people look at him through a whole different lens now you they just swung his pendulum from center to right right yeah, that makes sense. I think some of it has to do too because I've listened to some interviews. Uh, he's not willing to fully commit because, like, evolution. He's very convinced of that, and and scripture. Uh, there is an argument against evolution for that as well. Um, there's there's a few reasons, but I don't know what he believes in his heart. It's not for us to make that claim. I know his wife makes the claim, and his daughter makes the claim. Um, and like I said, we look at the fruits, and that's the evidence, and and we definitely see the fruits with him. Whether the population wants to admit it, whether the left wants to admit it, they see him as this villainous figure, but I, I don't personally. Well, and it's funny to, to be able to show emotion and care and kindness and love and um, <clears throat> raw emotion and empathy is considered a threat. Hmm. And why is that? Because we don't want to show weakness. So it's funny. He's on Pierce Mor- Mor- Morgan, right? Yeah. And he's giving awkward silences it's not good tv he's literally showing emotion and holding back now they're giving him the respect of time but it's not sexy it's not good tv to have all these air gaps but it's purposeful and he's thoughtful he's holding on he's holding his tongue to only say what he needs to say and not just filling space and that's what i respect about him he uh I don't think any of this, I think for him, he understands it's a business. And, he, and I think this is why he gave it to Michaela Peterson to run. Because I don't think for him, it is a big <clears throat> business. I think mm-hmm. for him, it's about helping people. And he's found a platform to do that, uh, for sure. But like, And a platform he didn't invent. It happened because people put his lectures online. Well, he did. Or Well, he did, yeah. but not with the intent of, like, people responded to it, sorry. Mm-hmm. And it just became a thing. And I don't think he said, I want to be a YouTube sensation. worldwide sensation yeah like main stars are talking about him um so with that being said we're going to be moving on to uh the next point here and the next point i wanted to talk about was uh ned falmer 
uh, being fired from the Try Guys uh, for cheating on his uh, his wife. Now, I've had a few. I did that video on it on Wednesday, I think, and a few people have come to me and like, why am I talking about this? I'm I'm a Christian. Well, the reason I'm talking about this is because I believe the Bible is true. I don't believe it's made up stories uh, that are pulled out of thin air, thin air to give us this um, uh, line of reasoning that we should follow for our moral truths. Uh, I think the Bible is what actually happens in the world. And what I seen with the Ned Fulmer incident was something that I think falls back on scripture. And, and I have a few verses now, unfortunately, I forgot my notes, so I don't know which order I have these verses in for it. <laughs> So hopefully we can figure it out. But this this reminded me of a few stories that happen in scripture and what what we need to be looking for in our everyday life and why we should be talking about this is because this brings us back to scripture and it, and it gives us a real life scenario where if you're in these situations, like what do you do if you're in church and some one of your elders is is uh, is cheating? What do you what do you do in that scenario? Well, we refer back to scripture and if we have this real life scenario that's happening here, we can run through this this trial where we'd be like, well, what if this was one of our elders? How would we handle it? Uh, so the Try Guys uh, put out this video in response to Ned Falmer and all the accusations and things that were happening. And fair warning before I get into the video, there's swear words. I can't, oh, oh my shocking. goodness. I can't control what they say. Uh, so if you have children in the room, tell them that people swear and it's okay. <laughs> or well, thankfully, it is later in the evening. It is. It is later in the... Well, we don't know. People are uh, other places in the world, so they might be watching. All around the world, yeah. Around the world. Uh, let's just fulfill this. Boom. Ned Fulmer is no longer working with the Try Guys. By now, we're assuming you've seen the Reddit threads and TikToks and tweets and news articles. We want to give you a timeline of what's transpired and some transparency into our decision making. Throughout this video, there will be things that we want to say or go into further, but as I'm sure you're aware, there are some legal issues we have to consider as we go through everything. On Labor Day weekend, multiple fans alerted us that they had seen Ned uh, and an employee engaging in public romantic behavior. We reached out to check on that employee. Uh, Ned confirmed the reports and since confirmed that this had been going on for some time, which was obviously very shocking to us. And we just want you to know that we had no idea this was going on. Uh, now, I've had I've had a few people uh, say to me that the only reason they fired Ned is because it was with an employee and not because he cheated. And if that was the case and it's just an employee, uh, I have different feelings about that. But, you know, um, I, I just kind of want to point that out that the reason they may have fired him simply is because of that and not because he was a cheater. Uh, I, I don't hope that's the fact. I hope it was because he did something that is, well, is abhorrent. It's something that you shouldn't do. All of that information was just as shocking to us as all of this has been for you this week. And thus began a three-week process of engaging with employment lawyers, corporate lawyers, HR, PR, and more in order to make sure we were taking all necessary steps. From the jump, we were acutely aware of just how contrary this was to the values of the company we've built and those of everyone who works here. He's quite angry. This is something we took very seriously. We refused to sweep things under the rug. That is not who we are and it's not what we stand for. 
We immediately removed Ned from work activities and engaged an HR professional to conduct a thorough review of the facts. We also opted to remove Ned from our releases pending the re results of that review. Over a few weeks, that's included removing his section from videos, digitally removing him from others, and choosing not to feature him in our merch throws. Honestly, I want to give uh, major props to our editing staff for how deftly they've handled that. There are several videos that we've deemed as fully unreleasable. You will never see them, and that is due to his involvement. And that's a decision that has cost us lots of money. Um, we will not recoup that money, but it's just... And this is where I, uh, I give them respect, is that it seems... Now, I don't know the hearts and minds of people, so I can only speak from my perspective. So it seems to me that they're doing this for the right reasons. It, it genuinely seems that... that uh, and we'll discuss later on whether this is the right reasons, but it seems like the heart is genuine, is that it's not just... Because if it was just PR, they can go... Uh, we have all these videos already pre-recorded. They're going to be coming out. Uh, Ned Fulmer is in those videos um, and there's nothing we can do. It's already been done, uh, but he won't be any. And people will be like, okay, I get that. I understand. No one would argue that, but they took it a step further and they go, well, we're not going to represent him at all. We're actually going to lose money by removing him from the picture. Now, was that too far? I don't know. We're, we're going to talk about that uh, a little bit down the road. And we stand by proudly. Now, we can't talk about the details of the review, but suffice to say, we found that Ned had engaged in contact, we, well, conduct unbecoming of our team, and we knew that we could not move forward with him. So on Friday, September 16th, the three of us signed written consent of the members of Second Try LLC approving the removal of Ned as a manager and an employee. We chose not to rush into the announcement for a few reasons. Namely, there are real people who have been affected and while we consider this a company matter, I'm, there's just also a family at the center of this. Now, we were always planning on a public statement and we're working towards that with our team, but in light of rapidly accelerating speculation, we knew we couldn't wait any longer. We were obviously incredibly shocked and deeply hurt by all of this. This is someone who we'd built a brand and a company with for eight years. We've we feel saddened, not just personally, but on behalf of our staff and our fans who believed in us. I don't know that we'll ever be able to fully articulate the pain we feel at this moment. It's hard to rewatch old videos that we love and are proud of. We're losing a friend. We're losing someone we, we built the company with. We have countless memories with. We, we just made a TV show together. It's, I'm sure many of you feel the same way. It's weird. We're sorry that this ever happened and we, we don't know what more to say. And there's also our staff of 20 strong who they just don't deserve the negative attention our brand is now getting because they didn't do anything. But they're our family and they're some of the most talented creative minds in the world and our primary focus right now is making sure they feel comfortable and proud coming to work. The work they do never ceases to astound us and, and frankly there's just no world in which we could have navigated all of this without them. Now, there are videos that were shot ahead of all this, right? We're gonna be editing Ned out like the new season of Without a Recipe, and we're working with our editors and finding creative solutions to the footage. And we also have some branded videos that we've already committed to. So when you see a video that's sponsored in a few weeks and you're like, oh, that's kind of weird. Well, yeah, it is kind of weird. Um, it's just how things are, and that, that's why. Look, I get that when stuff like this happens, there's going to be speculation and gossip. And we ask that you respect the privacy of the family members and employees who may be caught up in this. We also want to remind you 
that the internet has a tendency to be a lot harsher towards women than men. So please, we ask that you exercise kindness. I don't know if I agree with that part. Things will yeah. change here. Uh, what we hope is that within this, there's also the opportunity for positive growth and better videos ahead. Uh, but it's gonna be hard. It's, this whole thing is gonna be really fucking hard. And we imagine you have lots of questions, a lot more questions right now. And, and we're gonna have more to say in the future. Uh, just right now, we're focused on bringing the best content possible between now and the end of the year, and then figuring out what the future of this channel looks like from there. So uh, now, before you get going, we have um, somebody was asking, Elena, I think, was asking, who in the world are these people? I'm so confused. <laughs> Did you want to give some context to these guys? Yeah, well, I, I don't um, I don't really know uh, who they are um, personally, like too well. Uh, cause I didn't really follow them mm -hmm. and I knew of them. I'd seen like a couple of their videos, but basically they're just, they're YouTubers. Uh, they have a YouTube channel where they try things. They're the try guys. Yeah. I mean, it's a cool concept, but yeah, like nobody really thinks about the fact that there's probably 20 staff in the background. Rhett and Link would be the same thing. They got mm -hmm. all these staff, but it's Rhett and Link, right? Um, I look at these guys. I have honestly probably seen their videos, but I don't know who in the world they are. The The guy on the left looks like the lead singer of AHA from back in the 80s. <laughs> the, uh, the guy on the right looks like from my math class. You know, I have no idea who these guys are. So The big part uh, about them that when I, when I did my research is that they are, um, they, they have an image of being wholesome, right? That That's the big thing is that they're wholesome, they're safe for everybody to watch. Uh, and Ned his biggest portrayal was that he was a family man. Right. So if his identity is based on being a wholesome family man and then he cheated on his wife, right. Then the house of cards comes falling down. Right. So they built their platform on this cause he's one of the members. So yeah. it's like when they go to the channel, they expect to see the characteristics of, you know, Ned loving his wife. So it's like when Ned comes out and now he is cheating on his wife with a staff member, and I don't know anything about the staff member or what's going on. Well, um, something I want to point out is that this caused a lot of damage. This generally, when we think of somebody cheating, we think that they cheated on their spouse. The spouse is the one who's hurt and they are, and they're the most hurt and they, and they deserve the, the most sympathy, but it doesn't stop there. It has a bigger effect. So, we look at the try guys and what's happening here. We see Ned cheats on his wife. Okay. With an employee. All right. So now the business is involved. The business has built this image of him being uh, a family man. Now the business has got a PR problem, right? They're going to be viewed a little bit differently, especially if they don't address it at all. Uh, you also have friends. These, these guys were friends for life. Now they, um, we were just talking about Jordan Peterson talks about the idea of betrayal, right? Is that once, uh, once you realize that somebody has lied to you and that could simply just be like portraying your character a certain way. And then once realizing their character is different, you cannot view them the same. So we have three friends who are hurt. We have a spouse that is hurt. We have a staff that is hurt. Uh, so there, there's a ripple effect by doing this, something that society nowadays doesn't actually deem too bad. Yeah, and, and the problem is they're all in the videos, right? So I I would imagine their family members are in the videos. I mm -hmm. think I saw some of the comments there where some of the first episodes were where their their children may be in the videos too. So yeah, it's it's bad character, but then it also affects everyone else because they have a choice to make. 
they're forced to make a choice. Am I going to be for you and be okay with this? Or am I going to actually, you know, are we going to take responsibility for this? It's interesting to see this in the world. Yes. It's rarely seen in the church, right? It's a lot of times things are just sort of pushed under the rug because we want to put on this sort of perfect facade, but we don't want anybody to think that we have flaws. Right. Or at least let's, you know, put our mask on on Sunday and then we'll deal with our life during the week, but nobody has to know it. And we'll right. just literally pretend every Sunday. Right. And that's not what church is actually meant for. Right. Right. And and we see Jordan Peterson being vulnerable, but we're not going to be vulnerable because that means that we might be vulnerable. <laughs> I know it sounds so trite to say it, but we don't want to show vulnerability or that we don't have it all together. We may have a problem or heaven forbid we ask for help, especially guys. Well, what's the, uh, the verse that says, confess your sins to each other that so you may heal. Yeah. Right. For, for your own healing and, and to build each other up. Yeah. And accountability and the whole nine. And so I, I agree with you. I think this is really, this is why I actually wanted to talk about this when I heard about it uh, is, is simply because of that is simply because um, we have seen, in the world, a lack of accountability. Now there's there's cancel culture, but I hardly I hardly call that accountability. That's them, you know, going back thirty years and, and finding a racist word that you said and saying now you're canceled. You're not allowed to do anything. Uh, what we see uh, generally happening today is that you know somebody does something wrong, people wave their finger at them for a little bit, and then it's then it's forgotten, and and it's just kind of like you said, pushed under the rug, and we need to check people. Now, that, now where I'm conflicted on this is the complete and utter eradication of Ned. Like he's, he's not in the videos. He's, he's not part of the platform. He's not any of it. My question, I don't know. I don't know what's going on. I'm speculating. Is if, if, he, if let's, let's pretend that this happened in the church. Mm-hmm. He has a repentant heart. What do we do? But you've already erased him from everything. So what happens if, let's say it's a pastor who preaches mm-hmm. every week, multiple times a day, he's all over the interwebs. And then you're like, okay, well, we got to delete this guy. Oh, but then he actually repents and confesses, comes clean, goes in front of everybody, is redeemed back into the church. What do you do with all those videos? Do you, well, do you have to start over? So like it happens in, in, um, in any kind of media or television shows, do we, you know, Netflix removes a show because somebody's looking bad in, in the public eye. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden they disappear or somebody dies and they're put into the public eye. Like why, why couldn't we celebrate them when they're alive? Right. Right. Um, so the culture has this way of, I don't know, fancy term, aggrandize, like make a big deal out of things in both directions. Um, well, it's interesting. <laughs> yeah. We, we love we love talking about it. That, that's for sure. But how do we, why would we just cancel and delete your entire existence if you made a mistake? PR. That's the thing. So so they, they're removing him from everything, right? So he's already gone. But if, if so I want to remove the try guys from this. And let's let's just pretend that, you know, uh, one of the elders of the church, they cheated. Yeah. Okay. We, we found them out, right? They admitted to it. They confessed. Uh, they're repentant. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've moved on from that other person. Do they get to remain as an elder? I don't think so. 
but uh, every circumstance is unique. Right. But I don't think that you have the, or at least you can't demand, you can't demand that that you be reposted to your position of whatever it is. If you're going to be truly humble and truly submitting to whatever process, it may never look the same again. Right. So, but it depends on what it is, right? If you lied or, or, you know, uh, you know, you, you confess that you took money. I think there, it really depends. Like if it's a severe moral failure, who's going to trust you? You have to, to almost, and again, some people are totally cool with it. I think it's going to end up being the decision of a church and the leader on what, what the situation is. The difference between, you know, having an ugly cheating situation in the church Mm -hmm. and having somebody divorce you as a leader, but you did nothing wrong and you pursued them to the end. You know, there, there's always different circumstances that require different actions. There's no one way to give an answer. Right. So it'd be, um, based off, based off the situation, based off who's in charge, uh, and all that. And, and I, and I understand that and I get that. So basically what we're saying is that forgiveness is, is absolute. Yes. You, you forget, you forgive 70 times seven, but yep. that doesn't mean it's not absence without consequence. It's not forgotten. It's not forgotten. Yeah. There so, are consequences for your actions. Right. Yeah. So this is, and I agree with you. Um, this is where I think it, it's great to see what the try guys did. Uh, because their entire image is built off this idea of these four individuals uh, doing what they do. And uh, they could have worked it in where, like, uh, you know, he apologized, he's working it out with his wife, uh, we're going to keep him on, you know, we're going to keep an eye on him, all, the, all these things. But they said no. And again, I don't know the heart. It could have just been a PR situation. But they, they said no, we're going to remove you. That's accountability. You mm-hmm. don't get to be in the position anymore where you were a family man, when you failed at being a family man, you yeah. don't get to do it. I'm sorry. You're, yeah. you're, you're done. And, and I think that's a, it's a great example. Because yeah, like I said, they might not be the church. I, I actually, I don't know where their faith is. But it's a great example to look at because it's like, that, that's accountability. But it's also, it's such a slippery plane because it's like, where do we go too far of like always casting stones versus keeping people accountable? And that, that's such a hard thing to do, I think. So I guess the point is, are, is it because it was so embedded in who they were? Right. That's why they went to those extremes. Like, we, we don't even want this guy to show up in our videos because it's always going to be a reminder of the deception, of the, the sinful behavior, you know, from our perspective as Christians. That that is the question, and I think the I think the answer is that they're genuinely hurt. Like you can see from the guy who was on the left, I, I don't know their names. Uh, he seemed genuinely upset. Now, yeah, he, he yeah. might be upset about his business crumbling, um, but but you can tell like when 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 you do everything together, and all of a sudden one one of them was was totally messing it up, and not even and you found out by accident even um, the all oh, the betrayal would just make you want to, yeah, you, you wouldn't even know how to respond, which obviously was happening. I mean, they were pausing even on this video. Yeah. There are some, um, there's some verses now. I didn't remember, uh, which, <laughs> which, uh, which ones I wanted to, uh, get into first. Cause like I said, I forgot my notes. I had it all written down. 
but I think it kind of goes into what we were talking about. So I think I think I'm going to go into. Um, so obviously, um, you know, looking at why this is wrong, and what he does, uh, you know, principles of marriage. Uh, this is first, first Corinthians seven. Uh, now concerning the matters about which you wrote, it is good for a man not to have sexual relations with a woman, but because of the temptation of the sexual moral, each man should have his own wife and each woman, her own husband. Now I wanted to talk about this verse, And again, I'm only speculating. I'm not claiming I know what's going on, um, in their, in their, in their bedroom. <laughs> But I, I wanted to talk about this verse because of this. Um, and and you, you saw me if you think I'm getting out of line here. Uh, the reason Paul, I think, told us that is specifically because of this. And why we shouldn't deprive each other uh, because of that temptation, right? So, you know, anytime it talks about uh, sexual temptation, it says to flee. It says to run from it. Why, why does it say to run from it? Because you can't resist it. You, you, you can do it for a certain amount of time. You can sit in a room and, and maybe do it for a week, a month, a year. Uh, but given enough time, you're going to fall to it. And I think this is important uh, as, you know, if you're a married couple, don't, don't deprive each other. Stay with each other so that, that you can. And again, this verse goes into uh, talking about how, you know, uh, let's just continue. The husband should give his, uh, his wife the conjugal rights and likewise the wife to the husband. For the wife does not have authority over home, her own, her own body, but the husband does. Likewise, the husband does not have authority over his body, but the wife does. You just go for the big passages, don't you? Yeah, these are, these are important. <laughs> yeah. Do not deprive one another, except perhaps for an agreement of a limited time, that you may devote yourself to prayer, but then come together again so that Satan may not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. Right? It's people think people think the church uh, is all about, you know, uh, all you do is sit and read by candlelight and you don't get to, you know, have those intimate times with each other. And it's not. Um, so, yeah, that's one verse I wanted to point out. And that may be a cause. Again, I don't know what's going on and I don't want to say that is what's going on. So please, you know, don't clip me out of context and say this is why Ned Fulmer, uh, you know, cheated on his wife. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying these are things to consider in your own life on why you, sh why you should read scripture and be in scripture. So you don't fall to the same type of temptations because I hate to break it to you. You're not better than Ned Fulmer. I'm not better than Ned Fulmer you can very well fall to that temptation. And these is how we avoid it by not depriving each other. Uh, now, another verse I wanted to get into, uh, Galatians 6, 1 through 5. Brothers, if anyone is caught in a transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on, keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, so, so and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks he is thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one test his own work, and then his reason to boast will be himself alone and not in his neighbor. For each will have to bear his own load. Accountability. We're talking about this earlier. People want to uh, take on their own problems at home. They don't want to bring it to church. They don't want to bring it to their elders. They don't want to bring it to their spouse. They want to put it. On their own shoulders and because of that we fall short and we're tempted we need to bear each other's burdens but it requires relationship yes and even going back to the passage you were talking about before with not withholding 
as a married couple, as somebody who's been married for 25 years, mm-hmm. it's very easy to get into a, a position where, where if you're not intentional, it's very easy to just let romance slide. Right. And just becomes the day-to-day grind of just doing life. And then, you know, wake up in the morning, go to bed at night. Um, without being intentional, especially on the man, which I think is a responsibility to pursue your wife, if you're not, and I'm preaching to myself, by the way, <laughs> if you don't, because I'm not the greatest at it, and, and I admit that freely, which is why I have people around me. Mm-hmm. And, you know, my wife, thankfully, is honest and open with me to say, you know, you're not very loving towards me, so it's not very enticing for me to want to be with you. You know, that all those kind of things happen in a married situation. Right. So there's a responsibility and an accountability to each other to be honest about it, to say, you're not very loving you're not really putting any effort into this and it's really not a turn on. Right. So what you're saying is it's not just that you two are made for each other and everything is perfect and that, you know, it just all works out for some reason. Just saying is there's actually some work that has to be involved. Lots of work. Lots of work. All the time. (laughs) (laughs) And that's, um, that's the thing where I think society has kind of like got it really wrong is that they're waiting for the one the one that kind of fits and you get along perfect all the time and everything's great. And, and you're saying, no, like you said, you've been married 25 years and you're saying I, I'm falling short in these areas and she lets me know and I have to work on it. And I'm yeah. And people could perceive that we're great because they see us, you know, at the shopping center, or, you know, on church on Sunday and they're like, Oh, it's Dan and Carrie. They're, they're just, it's always Dan and Carrie. They just, they don't think about the fact that there could be a void of relationship. Mm-hmm. And there's ebbs and flows and seasons and cycles. I think like marriages go in waves of, you know, there's joy and peace and, and turmoil. And it's always a wave. It's never a flat line. It's uh, like I said, it's work. Yeah. You're going to have your problems. You're going to have your ups. You're going to have your downs. It's, it's what you do with it. And this is why marriage is important, right? Because if you have one foot out the door and you're, you're ready to leave when things get hard, you're going to because things are going to get hard. And you're going to realize those things about this person that you don't like. That's just the reality. You hang out with somebody enough, there's going to be things that you just don't like about them. And then when you got that foot out the door, you leave. And that, you know, marriage says you're not allowed. You got to stick around and you actually got to put work in. You got to work it out. And society doesn't say that. Society says find the person until they're absolutely perfect and you get along. You might have faults, but they're the person for you. And it's like, for how long? Yeah, it's like the difference between, and I'm not trying to compare marriage to a vehicle, but it's like <laughs> the difference between buying a car and then owning it and treasuring it yeah. or or being on a lease. And every three years, you just kind of cycle the lease. Like Getting I need a, a newer, fresher, more modern version. Yeah, you're not. You're that not, is not how marriage works. Not putting the work in to keep it running. Right, exactly. Yeah. The, uh, the last verse I wanted to get into, and it's just, straight up pointing out what the church did in this scenario. Now, this is taking it to the next level, uh, this 1 Corinthians 5. It's actually reported that there is sexual immorality among you and of a kind that is not tolerant even among the pagans. For a man uh, for a man has his father's wife. Now, I always wondered if that meant his mother. I hope not. I hope it's just... Mother-in-law. Mother-in-law. I hope. I hope. It's, anyways. And you are arrogant. Ought you not rather to mourn let him who has done this be removed from among you. Get rid of him. Uh, but now this is not, now check this. this. This is the important part. 
for though absent in body, I am present in spirit and is and is and as if present, I have already pronounced judgment on the one who did such a thing. When you are assembled in the name of the Lord, Jesus and my spirit is present with the power of the Lord Jesus. You are delivered. You are to deliver this man to Satan for the destruction of the flesh so that the spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord. We don't cast people out for our sake. We cast them out for their sake. If somebody sins, something grotesque, something horrible, like your mother-in-law or cheating on your wife with an employee, that's gross in today's society. If there's no consequence for that, that person will live in evil. But if given to Satan to suffer the consequence, to be in hell for but a time, then there's a chance for repentance. There's a chance to realize that you've done something wrong and possibly move forward and grow. Well, church discipline, right? Mm -hmm. If you're going to deal with somebody in discipline, to put them out is to put them out um, for the fleshliness of it. But church discipline is always restorative. The whole purpose is that you want to redeem their soul. Right. So it's the depravity of, of their flesh that you're putting out, but you're going to pray and, and hope that in, in humility and repentance, their soul will be redeemed as a result because they'll see the wickedness because they're put out and they're forced to, to reflect and deal with it. That's the hope. Or they just keep going in that direction. And that's the reality of discipline. But do you want that in the church to be the example, especially if it's a leader? Mm -hmm. So those are the dangers, right? Well, that's... Um that's doing as God does, right? And, and he's our example, uh, is that you allow people to live in their choice, right? Like, um, there's no sin in heaven. Can't bring that with you, right? So you choose to trust in Jesus and choose to die to self and leave your sin behind, or you choose to live in your sin and God honors that. And then he lets you do that. Uh, so it's simply just doing that for others. You know, uh, somebody sins in the church, church discipline, mm -hmm. they choose to repent and then they're welcomed home, uh, you know, not forgotten but forgiven or they choose to live in it. Well, and it's even choice. an old Testament concept. I think it's, I'm paraphrasing, but do not spare the rod. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> it, which means, child. or spoil the child, yeah. which, which means dare to discipline. But the discipline is not to beat this knot out of you and just to teach you a lesson. Mm -hmm. Although that could be a worldly concept and make you feel good for a little while. The whole idea is that there's, and God did it with, his people you know he put them out like i always i'm always fascinated at the israelites that you know you got manna falling from heaven and you're complaining to god who provided it now i i realize manna probably was not fun just this white stuff falling from the sky but they're seeing miracles happen all the time they're being sustained it's never enough it's it's it is never enough so we think we're satisfied but we never will be there's only one way to be satisfied and that's jesus you know, um, kind of moving off subject here, then I'm going to move on to the next point because I don't want to spend three hours on this. <laughs> um, I, I, uh, I was listening to an uh, um, uh, audio book on the way here and uh, uh, C.S. Lewis, uh, it wasn't C.S. Lewis, but they quoted him. Uh, he talked about um, uh, that de desire, right? You know, it's never enough. We always want more. Mm -hmm. uh, the reality of, the, and I love this apologetic, the reality of the world is that we all desire something. We all desire food. And there's food 
We desire water, there's water. We desire uh, sex, and there, there's a way to have that. These are desires we have. There's not a single desire that can't be fulfilled, but there's one desire that we don't have fulfilled, that we can never fulfill. For some reason, it's just a singular one. All other ones can be filled, but the singular one, if it's not of this world, the conclusion must be that we are not built for this world. Because if, if again, if you every desire you have can be fulfilled except one, why from an evolutionary standpoint would you have that desire? doesn't make sense the lo only logical conclusion that could be is that there's a desire outside of this world anyways i i just i thought that was all well, the cool. bible says we're aliens right yeah we are yeah exactly the uh the next thing i wanted to get into is i uh, is one of my bigger videos i put out recently uh, i put out a video uh because uh sky mommy and jeff the atheist troll uh put out a video making fun of, uh, of a friend of mine and they were laughing at him in jest because he didn't understand Psalms 137.9. And they were like, well, he's a pastor, he's older, he should know it. So I did a video explaining the context of Psalms 137.9. And then I called out this bully behavior because it was bully behavior. It wasn't in the sense of let's like there, there was no sense of like, let's have a conversation. I'm going to show you why this verse is grotesque and why you should leave your faith. That's fine. That's just having a different opinion. This was I'm going to show you you don't know your Bible. I'm going to show you it's gross. And when you get mad about it, I'm going to record it, and we're all going to laugh at how dumb you are. That is bully behavior. So I called that out. They didn't like that. None of these guys liked that. I had a ridiculous amount of videos made about me. Now, I've got a few that I want to get into. I wanted to respond. Like I said, I didn't have time to respond to all of them, nor do I think it was completely fruitful to just do one video after another after another over this concept. So I'm going to do it now. We're going to go through these videos. I'm going to respond to them. I might get heated. I might get angry about this because I'm actually upset. Um, I'm be honest because people are just being, for lack of a better word, douches for no reason because they just, you, you, they don't like Christians and they found, they found a reason, a justifiable reason to hate them. And, and they're like, anytime you respond, it's like, it's like, here's, here's the attitude they have. They're like, I'm going to call you out. In a, in a grotesque way. And then when you get upset and defend yourself, I'm going to say, oh, look at your persecution complex. It's like, no, I don't think I'm persecuted. You're just being a douche and I'm responding. <laughs> uh, did you have something to say? No, all I was going to do is thank whoever's moderating for taking off the crap that's that shows up on the feed once in a while. Yeah. It's funny how you, you easily become a target on any platform when you're trying to do something good. And everyone just wants to capitalize on it with whatever they want to do, even if it is bots or whatever. Somebody's pulling the trigger. Um, so you think you're frustrated now because <laughs> things are coming at you, but that's just the reality of this world, right? So it, how you respond is as important as what they're saying. So he's already started with the rebuke. <laughs> try to, I call it trying to take stock of reality. Yeah. You know, look at look at the 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 giver of a comment or the giver of of a a. Um, an opinion, mm -hmm. pause, like Jordan Peterson does, take stock, then respond. Mm. You know, it's very easy to get annoyed and mad, and I get ticked off a lot. People really do drive me crazy to the point where sometimes I I want to do or say things that I'm not supposed to do. Well, I'm going to try to do that. I'm going to try to respond in a way that's like I'm attacking points and not people. 
Right. Which I think is super important. I really try to do that. I really do. And a lot of people misunderstand that, you know, I'm not talking about specific people in a lot of my videos. I'm going to explain that as, as we watch this. So you keep me on track. But it doesn't mean that we have to say stupidity isn't stupidity. 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 You can call people out for being stupid. Oh, yeah. yeah That's not a problem. No. <laughs> I was a youth pastor for 10 years. <laughs> it's how you call them stupid. I yes. That, that's the thing. Uh, all right. So let's... Uh, so yeah, they're, they're all responding to the same video here. So let's, let's get into it. So first one is Jeff responding to me uh, and he responds a couple times. Taking it out of context to try to make them look bad. And then you've recorded it and posted it online. John, I didn't provide a context. How can I take it out of context? I simply <laughs> That is the definition. That is the definition, Jeff. Of not provide of taking it out of context. I'm sorry, you're gonna hear my old man wheezing now okay. <laughs> every time I laugh at you. But it's like that. That is the. It's like he, he's okay, Jeff. You're you're so mad. It's like it's like I didn't provide the context. How did I take it out of context? That's the definition of taking it out of context. It's in the sentence itself. Taken out of context i didn't say that you provided a false context you took it out of the context <laughs> that is that's what i'm saying um i'll use this example i use this example all the time um i punched my boss in the face on wednesday but i know where you work yeah, yeah well you know where i work you know the context mm -hmm. taken out and somebody that's doesn't, not a shocking statement to no, me. no you get that but somebody who, who doesn't know what i do or what i what i do for a living they hear me say, oh, John, such a horrible guy. He's he punched his boss in the face. You know, I don't need to provide a false context. Yep. But then I, I give the whole context. I say, I work as a martial arts instructor. Every Wednesday, me and my boss uh, get together and we spar. This Wednesday, his guard was down and I punched my boss in the face on Wednesday. Same sentence at the end, provide to the end, but provided with the context. Now, I'm just saying that at the start out of context sounds grotesque and horrible, right? You knew, you knew the difference. Most of you guys know what I do for a living. I've used this example. Then provide the context. It makes sense. That's the definition of out of context. Anyways, moving on. Him to read the Bible. There's no context involved. Exactly. There's no context involved. Um, another point, you didn't just ask him to read the Bible. You said, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to paraphrase. I'm not quoting because I don't have it memorized. But you said, can you read Psalms 137.9 for me? That verse changed my life. It means so much to me. And we said, I'll read it for you. You said, thank you so much. You didn't just say, hey, man, can you read this verse? Like that, is, by definition, is entrapment. <laughs> that is the definition of entrapment. You knew exactly what he was going to read. You took it out of the context of what it was, and then you, you put on this show like it changed your life. Like, okay, first of all, smashing babies on rocks changed your life. Like that's, anyways. And you guys are so hung up on this Psalms 137.9. It's not about Psalms 137.9. I know. If I wanted to show immorality in God, I would just go to 1 Samuel 15.3. Let's go to 1 Samuel 15.3. <laughs> Let's go to first. I love first Samuel 15, three, one of my favorite verses. Um, first Samuel 15, three says, uh, now I'm going to paraphrase. I don't have it memorized. It says, God is saying to Saul, he says, 
go to the Amicalites, kill every man, woman, child, and all their livestock. Sounds grotesque and horrible. I absolutely agree. It's an awful thing for God to command. Saul then goes and does that. He goes and kills every man, woman, child, and livestock. He actually was punished because he didn't kill the livestock. He took it with him. That's why Saul was punished. Wild, right? Now, let's get context. Let's get context why we talk about this so much. Saul said the exact same sentence back. He said it. He said, I killed every man, woman, child, and livestock. He said it verbatim to the exact same way that God said it to him. Verbatim, sentence. This wild thing happens, though, is that when David becomes king, he runs into the Amicalites again. Hold up. Wait one second. I thought Saul wiped out the Amicalites. He it literally says that. So how, how did David, maybe he missed some? Maybe Saul was lying. Okay, cool. So what David says, he says verbatim the exact same sentence. He says, I will go wipe out the men, women, children, and livestock. He says it verbatim exactly how God said it and then how Saul said it. So he goes and does that. Wipes out the Amicalites. Comes back and says that he did it. Says that he completed his mission. This is wild. This is crazy. David goes to goes back to battle with Saul because now they're enemies. They're against each other. A lot of things happen. He goes back to battle Saul. He's told he's not allowed to go back to battle him because he's not trusted because he used to be one of Saul's guys. So he says, go home. So David trusts that and he goes home. As he's going home, someone's raiding his village. Guess who? The Amicalites are raiding his village. Wild. The Amicalites are raiding. They've been wiped out, what, three times now? <laughs> How are they raiding his village? They've been wiped out three times. So David, once again, says the exact same sentence. I will go and wipe out every man, woman, child, and livestock. It goes even further. He goes and captures one of the, they, he does it. He says he does it, and they go on the run. Then he captures an Egyptian who is working for the Amicalites. And he says, who are you serving? And then he gives the name of the king of the Amicalites. They didn't even kill the king. How did they wipe them all out if they didn't get the king? They didn't get the men. They didn't get the children. They didn't get the livestock. So what, are they all lying? No, this is called an idiom. It's not an uncommon thing. This is a saying. I'm a martial artist. I get into the, I get into the ring. I get into the octagon. I get to go to a tournament. I roll with somebody. I say, I'm going to kill them. Oh, goodness. Did I kill them? I beat them in the tournament. I say, I killed him in that match. They're dead. I'll say that. I'll say... I say you're killing it tonight. I'm killing it tonight. Break a leg before you go out and do a performance. This is wild. See, this is why we preach context matters. Look, I don't know if he's ever going to see this because it's on YouTube, but if you see it, reach out to me. I have verses for you. I actually don't have answers for in context. You can use those in the future. That'll make sense to me. Maybe one day I'll have an answer for it, but right now I don't. But there's a point for the context. We're not just saying it because we're just like, you know, uh, upset about it. It's like, yes, there's actually meaning. You have to understand the time, the culture, the people, who was written to, who was written by, and the way they use language because they don't use language like we use it now. Anything you want to add to that? Nope. (laughs) (laughs) I could, but I'd just be talking to talk. (laughs) Talking. Trying to use wisdom. Fair enough, fair enough. This is about what Christians do when you ask them to read the Bible. And he did this. He's responsible for his actions, not me. Be upset with. Is that victim blaming? <laughs> Is that victim blaming? She was. Uh, she was wearing. She shouldn't have been wearing what she was wearing. That's why she got jumped.
That's what it sounds like. Am I wrong in that? Not necessarily. No. Okay. But again, it all depends on circumstances. If you're wearing something in the wrong place at the wrong time when you know it's going to be a problem. Well, the, to today's culture, though, they don't believe that. They think it's always going to be the attacker's fault. And, and I agree to that to a certain extent. You should have wisdom and you shouldn't go and do those things. Yeah, I grew up in Toronto. Right. I know what streets to go on. And what not to. And what not to. And what time of day to not go on them. Right. So, yeah. Like Jarvis and Bloor, not going to happen after 10 p.m. It's just <laughs> not going to happen. Or Jane and Finch, any time of the day, not going to happen. Just don't do it. Look out. Now, if you went down those streets, you're dumb, right? You're, and you're going to get probably hurt. But it's still the attacker that's to blame, right? There's still the one to blame. So you're literally victim shaming at this point. You're saying, I entrapped this person. I took something out of context. And when they got upset about it, it's their fault because they should have known better. That really sound, that sounds, that literally sounds like someone saying, she went down the street. She was wearing a skimpy outfit. She got jumped. It's her fault. She should have known better. I don't know. For his lack of judgment and his reaction. Not because I asked him to read the Bible. And yeah, I recorded it and I posted it online because it's hilarious. And then you're going to call me a bully. You are a bully. A bully for asking Christians to read the Bible. I guess I'm a bully. <laughs> Oh, so, so this is the next video. I wrote the comment. I basically said, I said, you took it out of contents uh, by not requesting to read the entire chapter. Uh, know exactly what you were doing. You're, you're, nothing, you're nothing but a high school bully. And I still stand by that. Anyways, that, that's the context. And he responded. To See, that. I didn't have any context of what was going on. But at face value, he, he's trying to portray himself a certain way. Like mm. The way he's talking. It's condescension. Yeah, well, yeah, his, his whole thing is built off uh, trolling Christians. Right. That's it, what he does. Yeah, which, which, I mean, fill your boots, but that gets old very quickly. Nobody wants to listen to harassment for the sake of harassment. Mm, some people. Truth seek. well, I guess, but that's a certain type of people. Yeah. But truth seekers get tired of that. It's true. That's very true. Anyways, this is his response to my comment. Maybe that's my 48-year-old uh, response. if you watch the video, you can see that he's actually been reading the previous verse he actually read the entire chapter Start actually he didn't read the entire chapter in that verse he read the previous verse he didn't read the entire <clears throat> chapter i did watch the video and the context for uh psalms 137 9 starts at 137 1 he read 137 8 and 137 9 that was the context that was provided which is they're, they're still in context with each other 37 38 doesn't explain the context of what happens at one so no you still you still pulled it out of context at 137 all the way through nine so he had the full context and the man's a preacher i didn't require him to only read one verse he chose to read the entire thing being a preacher is not being an apologist there are two different things uh, a preacher should they know scripture yes absolutely but the the reason they know scripture is for edification for attending to their flock for helping people uh for growing them for for having conversations with people who have a heart to search an apologist is somebody who attends to verses like 137.9, who attends to verses like 1 Samuel 15.3, uh, the people who understand the culture, the history, and the context of things. He, I'm not going to say his name. People know who he is, but I don't want to put him on blast anymore. He is a pastor. He's pastoring to people. He's not an apologist. See, if you want to go at people for this kind of stuff, go talk to inspiring philosophy. 
go put this on his life and watch what happens. It's a very different uh, job in the same, um, same company, so to speak. It's a church, but there are different jobs. There are pastors who do pastoral things. There are apologists who argue with people like you. <laughs> After reading it, he got upset with me asking him to read the Bible. I don't think that's the appropriate response. That's why everybody else is laughing at it. But now let's talk about you. Let's talk about me. Calling me a high school bully. Yes. When anyone can go through all of your videos and watch you mocking trans people. Okay. Putting down women. Okay. And attacking the gay community. Okay. All of these things are actually bullying. I agree. Asking a preacher to read the Bible is not bullying, but only Christians would consider that. You didn't ask him to read the Bible just like that. So I know the videos he's talking about. So uh, he says I make fun of the trans community. I've never made fun of the trans community. It's not even a subject matter I talk on. I have one video where I made fun of the concept of trans speciesism, where I said, right. where I said, how do shark people identify? How do people identify as flowers? How do people identify as spores? I made fun of a concept. I'm, I'm all for making fun of concepts. Go for it. Even towards Christians. Like I see people do it all the time. I'm like, okay, that's fair. That's what they see it. Concept and people are do different things. I never made fun of a person. I've also never talked about the trans community ever. Like you cannot find a video about me talking about it. I made fun of the idea of somebody identifying like a shark. Or cats. Or cats. Which... Or somebody marrying their pillow in the Netherlands. <laughs> it's like, okay, right, so you want to identify as a shark? Fine. Go in the ocean. That, right. Like, are you a shark or are you not? Do you want me to treat you like a shark? Then I'm going to throw you a live fish. Like, like where's, where's the line? So now the video is talking about where he thinks I'm making fun of women. And, and I had a few people come at me saying I was making fun of women in this video. If you actually go watch the video, this is wild. I don't actually mention women once. So I did a video where I said that you should wait to marriage, right? If you want to be married to, to do things, right? To do that yep. stuff. And uh, I, I joked at the end, you know, uh, why give, why, uh, um, what is it? Why buy the cow when you can get the milk for free? So I made that comment, you know, little sly comment at the end. And then everybody said I was going at women. I never mentioned women once. I mentioned people. I addressed it towards both, both men and women. Check this out. It's y'all that found these uh, categories, these definitions, and then directed it towards women. So hold up now. Does that mean that this is what women are or not? Because I didn't say it was women. You guys all said it was women. I said it's to people. And then you all assumed women and then said I was being derogatory towards women. I said, no. You want to have marriage privileges, whether you're a man or a woman, wait until marriage. Because if you give it all the way at the beginning, why is the other person going to want to marry you? So there's that. And then I never, I don't have a single video, not one video. I mean, me talking about gay people at all, like not, not even in rough, rough, like I never scratched the surface, never talked about it once. So present these videos, show them to me uh, before you make these claims, because I haven't done it. And those are me addressing the other two videos that could remotely be close to what you were talking about. Well, so, Liz, Elizabeth says this man was not worth a second thought. He's only out for attention. Yeah, I know. Which kind of goes with what I was, was saying, where it's just, he's just trying to make a name for himself by being combative right so the the more notoriety you have the more people are paying attention to you 
the more of this is going to occur. Mm-hmm. So you have to get to the point where you have a mute button. And, and shut people off. And it just doesn't tick you off the same way it would before. Because you're not going to be able to keep up with all of these. No, I know. And that's why I like got this one little segment where I'm going to hit you guys. <laughs> you say what I got to say. I'm going to move on. After that point, hopefully I'll get better at that. That's that's my goal. Um, so the, a few more people responded. I want to address points. Basically, I want to address these points here that they're talking about. How bullying. So I apologize for giving you the same respect that you give others. Because this is bully behavior if I've ever seen it. Oh, but he's a Christian. He should know the Bible in and out, back and forth. Oh, you mean like how you... This guy <laughs> dropped some bombs, by the way. Uh, I put this one up because actually I thought it was funny. Anyways, let's hear what he's got to say. Because we're talking about bully behavior. Um, Ill Christians constantly bully people for their belief. You mean like how you Christians constantly come after people simply just for being gay? You mean how you Christians constantly go after Satanists and tell them to turn away from their religion to come and wor- worship your worthless religion? You Christians constantly bully everyone outside of your mentally ill child touching religion and then want to play the persecution card. All he did was ask the guy to read directly from the Bible, which the guy did, which he didn't have an understanding of. Which, given his age and how long he's probably been a Christian, you think he would know. Does it take a year to read the whole Bible? Depends on the Bible you're reading. And then Sky Mommy duetted the video and you got your cult Christian followers mocking her out the wazoo. And then you got some of those church followers constantly saying, I'm sorry the church hurt you. No, it has nothing to do with the hurt from a fucking church. Majority of people who are outside of your religion I can't actually take read, studied, and researched your religion, which is why majority of people who are either atheists, Satanists, or so forth know your religion better than you do. So I'm true. sorry if you feel offended because you was able to be put in your place like majority of you Christians try to put everyone else in theirs. You can call it bully behavior all you want, but given the bullshit that you Christians have done to people for centuries, you really have no room to call anyone a fucking bully. Considering you Christians pray for people and they tell you not to, yet you do it anyway, are you Christians not familiar with the word consent? Are you Christians not familiar with the word respect? Are you Christians not familiar with the word boundary? Three words that you Christians constantly go against every single fucking damn day. If someone does not want you to pray for them, don't pray for them. It's as simple as that. Because like it clearly states in Matthew 6, 5, 15, when you pray for someone, you are to do it privately in your own home or in an area where you cannot be seen. And yet you got Christians in your comments constantly saying they'll pray for this person or that person. Honestly, you Christians are just pathetic at this point. So I'm going to need you to think twice before you ever make a video like this because you'll make yourself look less goofy and make yourself look less condescending. Those eyes. Have a day you deserve. Have a day you deserve too. I'm sorry. I'm trying to keep up on the comments. <laughs> Jeffrey said, can somebody call the police? I need to be arrested for laughing so much. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for that. <laughs> uh, uh, okay, okay, okay. Oh, those eyes. I'm not going to spend too much on this. Um <laughs> Uh, first, first of all, um, bro, if, if you're going to call somebody out, um, show your face. Like, yeah, exactly. Like, like have, have the confidence to at least portray who you are and, and be confident enough in yourself. I'm okay for everything that you say against Christianity. I get where you're coming from. Now, second point I want to point out is I hear, I, I've heard these claims all the time that these Christians do all these crazy things and do it all. But you know what's wild? I've seen it in my life maybe like three times. Maybe I'm an outlier. Maybe it's because I live in Canada. Maybe it's all the time. Maybe it's everywhere. But it's like, I actually believed all this stuff too when I was an atheist. But then I thought about it and it, I, did I believe it because I actually experienced it? 
Or do I believe it because everybody told me it was true? I, I know there's Christians out there that act like this. I know, I know they exist. I'm not going to deny that. But I wonder how much it actually is, that, you know, all the claims that he made. Second thing I want to point out, do you guys really think that I have all my followers on speed dial? That like Sky Mommy made her video and then I, I texted all of them like, guys, go get her. Like, no, I, I, I don't. I don't have them on speed dial. I have no control over what other people do on these videos. And look, guys, if, if you like me and my content and somebody makes a response, please don't go at them. Don't do it. It's not cool. It's, it's you know, you can make a comment. You could talk about something that's happening uh, in, in the context of what's going on. But don't go don't go at them and hate them. Um, and, and to be honest, I read a lot of the comments and I didn't really see too much hatred. I just seen a lot of hate, like the same comments I was getting, like, you know, take your L, you took the L, you lost. Anyway, I don't have you guys on speed dial. I'm sorry. I don't send armies of people after after other people have done is you found a Christian that doesn't know that and have taken it out of context to try to make to put a little analogy together. This guy makes uh, a good point. I actually wanted to address his point. I know a lot about Metallica. A lot. Uh, and I would dare say I'm probably an expert on a lot of things Metallica. But if I declared that Metallica was the only way that the world should live, that it was the only savior that existed, that we should live our lives and we should govern ourselves because we're a Metallica country. Uh, and then someone pointed out that I don't know the words to ride the lightning or let's be even more obscure. I don't know what the meaning behind escape is or that that beach side of eye of the beholder was bread fam. Um, you would have every right to make fun of me because I'm trying to impose my version of life upon you. And I don't even know what it is on a Christian that doesn't. So he, he makes, he actually makes a very valid point. Um, except he doesn't understand the severity of what, what he's saying. If you ask a Christian, um, what is the point of Jesus Christ? And they don't have the answer to that. Yeah. If you ask a Christian, uh, who is Jesus's nature? What is his nature is, you know, is he God? Is he man? And they don't have the answer to that. Correct. Yes, you're absolutely right. Uh, there are core concepts that Christians need to know 110% uh, if they're going to claim to be a Christian. I fully hold to that. But let's use this comparison. What we're asking here is not who is Jesus? What does it mean to be a Christian? What are the fruits of the Spirit? It's not those questions that are being asked. The question here is the equivalent of saying, you know, using the Metallica example, what guitar was used at their concert that they did in 1983 at exactly 12:59 p.m. What exactly guitar did that guy use? What color was it? You know, th this is the, the equivalent. Now, if you claim Metallica was the only way and you didn't have the answer to that question, I wouldn't be upset. If you didn't have the answer to those previous questions on like the the, the songs, then yes, you'd have means to be like kind of poked at a little bit. So it's, it's a good analogy. I really like the argument that you brought forward, but I don't think you weighed uh, the comparison properly. Uh, and, and that's all I wanted to say about that one. Know that. And I've taken it out of context to try to make them look bad. And then this one's great. This just, I love this one. I only wanted to point this one because this actually shows. Uh, it almost seems like you guys are it, it actually shows that people don't take anything out of context because literally the, the problem that he brought up in the text there uh, was was, uh, uh, was answered in the video like I answered it in the video and it's just like an attack there so it's just showing the example of how many how much people take things out of context.
becoming the Christians that you hate so much. My, what a well-reasoned point that none of us have ever heard before. Thank you for enlightening me so much. Yeah, this is starting to become the theist wine of the week, and frankly, it's, that's not it, Chief. I invite you to look around at what's happening right now. Books are being banned. Bottle- I used to have that couch. <laughs> <laughs> that's terrifying. Sorry. I just, I had to throw that out there. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> Um, so I want to address here. He, he talks about um, uh, books being banned. Uh, yeah, yeah, there are being books being banned. Pornographic books that are in schools. These are the ones that people are advocating that are being banned. They, they literally have um, sex in them. People having sex, like it, it's porn. examples. Yeah. Yes. Like graphic examples. Yeah, we're not we're not going in and being like it goes against our religion. We're saying children shouldn't watch porn. Does anybody here think that children should watch porn? I, well, you're not going to say yes. <laughs> I'm like, should I state the obvious or uh, do you want me to so, play so, devil's advocate? So let, let's look again. Let's look at the context because these are the books that they're advocating being removed. Autonomy is going out the window. Bodily autonomy is going out the window. We're not, sorry, Dan. We're not advocating for bodily autonomy going out the window. We're advocating that you shouldn't murder children. <clears throat> so again, context, right? It's, it's. Democracy itself is on the precipice of being done away with because of theocratic weirdos who are taking over in a democracy is being done away with when you start introducing cancel cultures and people aren't allowed to speak desperate attempt to hold on to power the only reason they can do that is because christianity is considered the norm you're not a person i will agree that christianity is considered the norm and what he's going to say here i agree we're not a persecuted minor I, i i'm on board Executed minority. You've won. This is what winning looks like. You have society. Congratulations. We definitely don't have society, though. No, the governmental systems have been built upon Christianity. Yes. But it doesn't mean it's a Christian-run nation. Right. And if, if it was, like if it was a theocracy, you, you're, not, you're not doing the thing until you're married, right? That's not a law that's being pushed, right? There's no uh, laws against being drunk, right? Yeah. There's no laws against... Uh, um, um, Lots of things that, that we hold and believe and that we live in our lives, but nobody's implementing for those laws. But the few that we do implement for, like don't kill babies, you're like, oh, you're only doing that because you're religious. No, maybe I'm just not for, you know, babies dying. Throw a party. But when someone comes along and challenges that by saying, hey, your book is a bit messed up. Why don't you read this part of it out loud, especially to someone who is a preacher. Not an apologist. As in the clip you shared who is claiming that all scripture is there to edify. It is there to edify. So, for example, don't pray to God to have babies bashed on rocks. We learned that because Israel did that, and Israel was constantly in trouble with God. To bless, when we point out that that's not the case, that's not punching down, that's not bullying, that's punching up. doesn't matter if you're punching up or punching down. doesn't matter. I'm not even going to say we're the up or down. I'm not even going to argue that point. You can bully somebody no matter what status of life that they're in. This, this idea that somebody has more power than you or they're better off than you, therefore you can treat them however you want because they're better off is ridiculous. It's still a human being. Uh, you know, I, I would argue that, you know, in a sense from an outside perspective, you look like you got it better off than what I got going on. Does that mean I can start poking fun at Dan and he's not allowed to poke fun at me? That he has to take it? I'm an equal opportunity poker. <laughs> <laughs> like he's, he's going he's gonna to give it back. Right? There's, there's not this idea of like... Per, well, perception is not reality. What do you mean? I could have one really good outfit and I could 
come across like I'm I've got it all together. Right. Put on a show. Let's let's pretend you do though. Let's pretend you have everything together. Everything is perfect, right? And no, it's not. But let's let's pretend for the sake of argument that you do. That doesn't give me an excuse to be mean to you, or no. or to bully you, or, or or any of those things. There's no excuse there. I treat you like an equal. You treat me like an equal, despite where we at are in class. So even if you lived in a theoc- theocracy, your country, and the Christians were running it all does not give you a right to point at every Christian and be like, I get to be mean to you because you guys are in charge. No, you don't know that person's heart. You don't know what's going on in their life. You get to be mean to them if they, they're mean to you. Now, Christian, I think, turn the other cheek, but I'm, I'm saying that's the only time where it's like justifiable, so to speak. I support anything that challenges the norm that religion equals good. And I, I, the I'm on board. I don't disagree with Christians that. Yeah. Doing it, and us doing it is that people don't lose their rights when we do it. We just want them to play on the same playing field. We, we are playing on the same playing field. This idea that we're not playing on the same. You live in a voting system. If the majority votes one way, that's the way it is. Whether Even you, if it's totally sinful. Yes. In our, in our own mind. Well, let, let's use this as, a, as an example here. We live in a country where I'm completely against it. I, I, and people know this. Abortion, ouch. Abortion's <laughs> legal all across Canada. 100% legal, easily accessible. I know, I personally know a girl who had six abortions like within three years. Um, I, I have nothing against her, by the way. Just, you know, I'm fine with her as a person. I just disagree with that. Can I start screaming and being mad and, and start and burn down abortion clinics and, and all that kind of stuff? No. Because I agreed to live in a country where we have this voting system and that voting system won our country's wild how they vote things but still it won and i have to i have to respect the law and now i have to step up and try to convince more people that the way i believe is correct so next time we have a chance to to go at this law the we win that yeah, we call it lobbying yeah you want to you want to project your thoughts onto your politicians locally and lobby for a change but it has to happen globally, like the trucker convoy. Mm-hmm. Whether you liked it or not, it was a large lobbying activity. We don't like this, and you're persecuting us. Therefore, we're going to do something about it. Right, and that was peaceful. And yeah. our and our Christian-based government didn't like it. <laughs> yeah, we're not in Canada. We're definitely not a Christian-based government. No. Uh, I want to get through this because I want to yeah. get to Jeffrey. Is everyone else just because you have beliefs doesn't mean we have to respect them? No, no, nobody says you got to respect their beliefs. We're asking you to respect the person. Fact, they should be challenged. I agree. I challenge the beliefs. Don't challenge the person. Don't well challenge the person, but don't mock the person. Challenge us. I don't care. But this whole idea that atheists and people who deconstruct are becoming the very thing they hate is bullshit. No, it's not. Um, I have been approached by far more atheists in my life telling me I have lost brain cells, that I need to go back to atheism, that I'm an idiot for believing this, or I was an alcoholic, or I was a drug addict, or, or whatever things that led me to Christianity, than I ever had Christians come up to me and tell me that I need to uh, follow Jesus Christ. It did happen in my life. But I'm going to tell you straight up, there is no difference. There are, there are far-leaning atheists that, that go wild at Christians, and there are far-leaning Christians that go wild at atheists. They exist. Right now, the claim is that it's only Christians who do it. It's just not true. I'm sorry. Because that's not where the power is. The power is with American Christianity 
at writ large. And by the way, I don't see a whole lot of Christians, even progressive Christians, pushing back on it in a big way. Yeah, there are some here on TikTok, but mostly y'all come after us for saying mean things. And I'm like, newsflash, we don't believe in your shit. So yeah, we're going to say things about it. Deal. Yeah. The existential threat and, and the one that you should be making videos about is the one that's trying to take over the Capitol. So maybe reel in your boys, okay? Y'all got nowhere else to punch but down, and you're doing a damn good job of it right now. So allow us a few mean words here and there just to kind of prove our point that, hey, y'all know everything. Oh, and by the way, uh, if, like you said, the average Christian doesn't know that stuff is in the Bible or doesn't know every single bit of it, well, we're there to educate. So thank you. We did your job for you. And even with context, that passage is very fucked up. But don't worry. Like, even if you explain that one, I can dig out several others that mm, don't even sound great with context. I welcome the opportunity. If you think this is what persecution looks like, wait until the weird people get their way. And they're on your side for now. This is bully. All right, I'm, I'm not going well, to. Can I just say, yeah. he's, he's obviously a Democrat. <laughs> um. Yeah, I, look, I don't think I'm being persecuted. I never claimed to be persecuted. I just said, you know, I just standing up for myself and people I consider friends. And then people are like, oh, you're not being. Per I never claimed to be persecuted. I said, you are doing nasty things to Christians because they are Christians. Stop doing it. That's not claiming per persecution to be like, I'm not allowed to go outside and eat because I'm a Christian. That's that's claiming persecution. Very big difference. I don't want to respond to this one. I'm just going to play like two seconds of it and then I'm moving on to the next point because this is just hilarious. Um, best response ever. If I've ever seen it. Oh, but he's a Christian. He should know the Bible in and out, back and forth. Yeah, Jeff, you big, dirty, birdie, bully, meanie. <laughs> How could you do that? Expecting someone just because they say they're pledging every moment an ounce of their soul and their lives and their thoughts and their prayers and their everything to Jesus and God. To the guy who says, love me above your mother and father and children. Okay. All right. He doesn't go on about anything important. I just thought that was, that was, a, that was a good one. Uh, it was a good response and it was funny. And, and, and you know, it's it, like it, waking up Uncle Bob up from a bad dream <laughs> and a hangover. <laughs> and it's hilarious, you know, uh, you dirty birdie bully. And it, was, it was good. It was a good response. Um, all right. So there, there it is. I responded to the TikToks. I've, I've been going on way too long now. Um, we've already had an hour and a half. I want to touch on uh, the final point and I'm not going to spend too much time on it. At, and this is going to sound uh, contradictory. I wanted to leave the De Jeffrey Dahmer subject to last because I wanted to leave on a positive note. I know how contradicting that sounds, <laughs> uh, but I do, th I do think it is. And, and I know, I know it's, I know it's harmful to the people out there that are still alive that experienced uh, what he did, right? That, that, that they lost their family members and they're still going through that. I still think it's important to talk about because when we're talking about dogma and the doctrine and what we believe in, this allows us by again, using real world examples, the ability to understand what we believe in fully to get a better grasp of like what we believe and why we believe in it. Now, this isn't a long video. It's a very, uh, um, very, sh uh, that's the wrong thing. It's a very short one, but it, it, it gets to the point and then I'm going to touch on it and then we're going to call it a night. Um, I opened up the wrong thing. I am. 
Your dad has wondered about all kinds of things, from the medication that your mom was on during her pregnancy, to the fact that you were exposed to violent arguments in the home from an early age and continuing, to the possibility that he might have passed on some genetic propensity for obsession or violent behavior. Does any of that ring true to you? I can see why he'd wonder about those things, but uh, as far as I'm concerned, they're all excuses because I didn't feel accountable to anybody. I didn't feel that I had to, to uh, face what I had done ever. And uh, so you, you have, there comes a point where a person has to, has to be accountable for what he's done. Can't go, can't go around making excuses, uh, blaming other people or other things. So I, I alone am the one who's responsible for what's happened. Let me ask, when did you first feel that, that everyone is accountable for their actions? Well, thanks to you for, for sending uh, that uh, creation science uh, material. Because I always, I always believe the, uh, the lie that uh, evolution is truth, the theory of evolution is truth, that we all just came from uh, the slime and uh, when, we, when we died, you know, that was it. There was nothing. So uh, the whole theory cheapens life and uh, started reading books about how, that show how evolution is, is just a complete lie. There's, there's, no, there's no basis in science to, uh, to uphold it. And I've come to, since come to believe that uh, that the Lord Jesus Christ is the true creator of uh, the heavens and the earth. It just didn't just happen. And uh, I have accepted him as my Lord and Savior. And I believe that I, as, long, as well as everyone else, will be accountable to him. Growing up, did you feel that you were accountable to your dad or to your mom as the authority yes, figure in the house? Yes, I did. I mean, they, they didn't let me uh, run wild. They were they disciplined me and uh, so I felt accountable to them but afterwards after I left the home that's that's when I uh, started wanting to uh, sort of create my own little world where I could be the one who had the complete control where I didn't have to uh, bow to anyone else's demands and uh, I just took it way too far Lionel. At that period of time, I had drifted away from a belief in a supreme being. And I never, as a result, passed along the feeling that we are all accountable in the end. He owns us. And that basic concept is very fundamental to all of us. You feel that the absence, at least for a while, of a strong religious faith and yes, belief for some years may have prevented you from instilling some of that in Jeff. That's right. Is that how you feel? Yes, I think I had a big, uh, big part to do, to do with it. I mean, uh, if you don't, if a person doesn't think that there, there is a God to be accountable to, then, then what's, what's the point of, of trying to modify your behavior to keep it within acceptable ranges. That's how I thought anyway. And uh, I've since come to believe that uh, the Lord Jesus Christ is truly God, uh, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. They're the only true God. 
So, tough subject. It is. It just. It is. Um, the question. Now, I used it as clickbait. Obviously, is Jeffrey Dahmer safe? That shouldn't be the question. Now, that's that's what people want to want the answer to. Is is he or is he not saved? The truth is, none of us know. None of us will know until till the last day. That is between him and God. We don't know his heart. It's important to remember, like I said in the video earlier this week, Matthew 7, not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, uh, will enter heaven. So just because he claimed it, that doesn't, doesn't mean he's saved. Um, and we also look at the fruits of the Spirit. Now, people have claimed that he was very braggadocious about what he did uh, in his later years. So that would be a sign that, you know, He's not truly changed. And even in the comment, uh, what he said there of, uh, <clears throat> of, um, of what was it? He said, if there's no God to be held accountable to, what's the point in changing? It worries me as well because it's not about that. It's not, you know, being in line because you're accountable to a higher being. It's about the fact that you have all this love from this higher being. So therefore it's overflowing in you so much that it spills out to others. And that's what we want to see. So again, I have no idea. But the reason I think it's important to talk about something like is Jeffrey Dahmer saved when he claims Jesus Christ? It's because every one of us in our heart, for, for, well, not every one of us. I'm going to speak for myself. Me in my heart, I don't want them to be. I don't want, I, I don't. Because what, what he did was absolutely grotesque and horrible. Just absolutely awful. <clears throat> but that, that's the thing about Jesus. And, and we're actually going to go uh, to to scripture. Now, I don't have any scripture here, but I'm going to use references. Moses was a murderer. Moses killed killed a man. Uh, Paul killed Christians. David. Who knows how many people David killed? And they were all still tools of God. David was not allowed to build the temple because of his his bloodshed. Specifically, the reason why God said he wasn't allowed to build the temple, that instead Solomon got to build it, which was his son, um, because of how, how involved in war he was in. Uh, what he did with Bathsheba, absolutely grotesque and horrible. Yet, so we look at David, and we look at the horrible things that David did, yet he was a man after God's own heart. David had the Holy Spirit, which was promised to never be removed from him. Like that was a promise God made to never be removed from him, which means if what we believe is true about having the spirit, then he is saved. Yet he was still a sinner far past any of us. And that's, that's the point that I really wanted to drive home. And that's what I wanted to end off on because too often uh, we, we see people perceive Christianity as you have to work your way to heaven or it's a get in, get out of jail free card. The people have those two perspectives. So it's either, you know, you're not allowed to to do things. You can't drink. You can't have fun. You can't do anything, or you, or you go to hell. Um, you know, which is not true. Or it's the you can do whatever you want, and you get to heaven anyways. And also not true. It's not about what we're doing. It's at all. It's about who we trust in. Do you trust in Jesus? Do you trust in yourself? Do you trust in the works that you do or do you trust in the works that he did? Do you accept his grace or are you trying to work your way there? 
the point, the whole point of all of it, the whole point of life from my perspective, is God is giving us a, an opportune chance to say, he's showing us what it's like with him. He's showing us like what it's like without him. And he's saying, pick me or don't. He, he's he's allowing that he's allowing that that opportunity. It has you're not trying to get to heaven, you're not trying to get to paradise. You're trying to get to God. It's it's a relationship. So, I use this example. It's like when you have a spouse, or you want a spouse, you want a wife, you want a husband, whatever. Uh, say you're a multimillionaire, you have a mansion, you got it all made, and you want this person to be your significant other. Right? It'd be a great life for them to say yes. They say no. Even though it's harder for them out in the street, they choose to live that life. What are you going to do? You're going to leave your mansion, grab them, kick them, kick, take them kicking and screaming into your house? No, they, they have to say yes, that they want to be in that relationship with you. So they accept it or they don't. If they accept it, great, then they get to be with you. And they have to accept it because there's a genuine love. Not because they want to live in the mansion. God knows the difference. You can't just live in the mansion. You have to have a genuine love, a genuine relationship. And, and when you get that genuine relationship, then you will do good things because of the love. Because of the love you have for God and the, the love God has for you. And the, the love you have for God is, doesn't even compare to the abundance that he has on hand. Like it, It's overwhelming. And the closer you get to God, the closer you have that love, the more you will change. And so why I wanted to look at Jeffrey Dahmer is because it doesn't matter what he did. That's the point. It doesn't matter that he did all these grotesque things. It matters on in his heart if he's truly ready or not to, to take in Jesus Christ. And if he is, and if he truly did, then we would see change and we would see repentance and we'd see him operating differently in the world. It's just such a tough one because if you have context and you understand, our version of justice is there's absolutely no way. But God's justice is greater than man's justice. Mm-hmm. You know, the question was, can a, can a serial murderer who, who did the things he did to the body still go to heaven? <clears throat> so Paul persecuted Christians. He murdered them for being of the way, following Jesus. And then when he was converted... And then started becoming a missionary and, and helping churches get planted, he would be interacting with those family members who are left behind. I find that incredibly awkward. I couldn't imagine if I was the one that maybe authorized the death of your wife or husband or children, and then I'm going to preach Jesus to you. So I can imagine scripture doesn't reveal every emotion in, in the past and mm. only it only shows us examples, um, <clears throat> unless it's a contextual so- story. But I struggle big time with that. And we, we make Paul into a hero because we see sort of the glamorized version of him. Mm-hmm. But he was a Christian killer in many ways, right? And the Romans were brutal. Like, oh, if yeah. you look back then, like, we think it's tough now when things happen. But man, oh, man, were they brutal. So... Again, context matters, but we we tend to glorify or gloss over things that happen in Scripture, but there's pr- some pretty ugly things that happen in Scripture. But we're kind of okay with it because it's not we it's not in our time. We can't put some contextual um, f- 
feelings or emotions to it. Um, yeah, I, I struggle with it, but then I also struggle with my own sin. And I think, how can God accept me? You know, I'm capable of doing whatever he did. Mm-hmm. He, he went through with it, but he's showing, at least by his, his words, he's saying all the right things. Well, let's look at um, the man that scourged Jesus. I, I don't know if I should go into the details for the people who don't know what scourging is, but it's, it's horrible torture. Absolutely horrible torture. Unrecognizable body in the end. Yeah. Yeah. You can see the insides. And then what did Jesus say on the cross? He said, you know, forgive me, Father. They don't they know don't what, they're, know what doing. they're doing. Yeah. yeah. And that's... That, that's the point. So, like, people want to talk about, you know, Jeffrey Dahmer. He's not, you know, so horrible what he did. He's not saved. Almost, like, half the people in Scripture, bare, bare minimum, maybe even more, d- did horrible and grotesque things and, and yet still had relationship with God. Now, people are going to look at that and be like, that's not just. It's it's not. that. That's the point, is that if we got what was just— I know the evil I've done. I know what I'm capable of. I know where my mind goes. I know where my heart's heart is. If we got what was just, none of us get to be in relationship with him. That That's justice. Justice is every one of us gets cast down. Because where's the who has the measuring stick? God. Yeah. We think we have the measuring stick. We think, well, my sin's not that bad. Obviously, we're not as bad as Jeffrey Dahmer. Um, it, it's easy to say that. Uh, but here's the thing about duty. Uh, now we're going to remove Jeffrey Dahmer out of this. The the Nazis, mm. um, they did horrible, grotesque things, and they thought it was in a sense of duty. They thought they were doing the right thing by not leaving their fellow soldier uh, to do it. That they had to step up and do it as well, and they did it. Um, you know, I use these references a lot. Uh, Unit seven seven forty three, I think. Mm. Three, is that it? I forget the exact number. Right. Um, you you read the, the the diaries of of the captains who worked in that who treated these they called them logs, they referred to them as logs. These people, and they did horrible horrible experiments on them. They did it as a sense of and here here's what's wild about that story. A lot of people don't realize. We'll say seven forty three. I don't remember the number two, but unit seven forty three. When they went and liberated the prisoners who were tortured and and witnessed these horrible things and were treated like literally like a log, the captain who liberated them took all the doctors and gave them back to the prisoners and said, do whatever you want with them. And the prisoners let them go. They could have tortured them. They could have killed them. They could have, they could have got their vengeance, but they did exactly. They gave grace. They didn't deserve it. Well, that is the definition. Grace is an undeserved gift. It's not something that you get because you do so many Hail Marys or penance or whatever, you know, the Catholicism where you just have to do so many things. Um, Yeah, or just confess so many times. And then it's just washed clean every week. Yeah, grace is, and and we're supposed to forgive 70 times 7. The number is meant to be infinite. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, we, again, we are looking at justice as... um, through the lens of what we deem to be right and wrong. But your version of right and wrong might be slightly different than mine. And it's all, it's up to God. And so that's that, why we have scripture is yeah, what I'm saying. Yeah. To reference to it. Yeah. And, and um, there's a spider right beside you. 
my friend. Oh yeah. Um, that's that's actually this why this is live. <laughs> that's why I wanted to leave off on the Jeffrey Dahmer thing is because I want to give hope. There's no such thing as too far gone. There's no such thing as I've sinned too much. There's no such thing as as um, you know I I backslid too much. Is God going to accept me? He forgot it. He didn't. He didn't. What is backsliding? You you're 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 just a sinner. Yeah, it's not like you were you're a better person now than you were yesterday. Okay, maybe you had a bad day yesterday, but it doesn't your position with Jesus doesn't change. No. You you're sinful when you wake up and you're sinful when you go to bed. It's our depravity. And the only thing redeeming us is Jesus ability to die on the cross and to be to be raised to life to break that bondage that we're in and that oh man that's something I've, I've been realizing uh, since coming to my faith is how much i was a slave to my sin and then how much i am not now in comparison <coughs> uh, not that it's completely gone there's there's aspects that remain there's temptation there's things like that but you're being redeemed from it yes on a daily basis yeah yeah and so that sanctification it, it's the battle with the flesh and the spirit and and I, I i see that in scripture but man oh man when i wasn't with jesus my sin was was is good i liked it get me more it was never fulfilling i was depressed yeah right i was i was nihilistic but the sin was great it, it was it was awesome and and now i recognize that you know i've been freed from that i don't need it and that's that's what jesus does is that he doesn't doesn't make you not sin anymore. You don't become sinless. You just, you're not a slave to it. It doesn't own you anymore. You're now free to make the choice to give into temptation or to give into to Jesus. But the point I wanted to get is by chance that there's somebody here listening or later on when they're listening to the recording, there's an invitation for you to have a relationship with God just as you are. Right, who you are. Now, it's not like, oh, you don't have to change anything in life. <clears throat> the point is, is if you have a relationship with God, you will want to change everything about your life. It will be a desire if it's a true, genuine relationship. Too many times Christians will say to people, you know, uh, do change this life, this life, this party life, die, die, to, die to self, come to Christ. Yeah, it's true. Uh, but they fail to recognize <clears throat> that the relationship with Christ will cause the dying to self. So this is the invitation. Come, come to Jesus as you are, who you are, with the sins that you have. Even if you don't even think it's a sin, still come to him and, and watch what he does with your life and watch what he sets you free from and, and watch the life that comes into you. Yeah, our, our church motto is come freely, leave changed. Yeah. The whole idea is that there, there are no cleanup methods for church or for being with Christians. The whole idea is you're dirty, rotten sinners like the rest of us. Welcome. Mm -hmm. And the cleanup process is internal, not external. And, you know, a lot of us have this idea of church being, if you look a certain way, act a certain way, then it'll, it'll, just, it'll just miraculously happen. Yeah. Um, I would say the, the ones that look like they're struggling the most are probably the most genuine. The ones that look like they're cleaned up, I'm cautious of. Because what are you hiding? What are you hiding? Yeah. yeah. What is your sin? Because everybody's got it. Yeah. We, and we if you're it. not claiming that there's any sin in your life, you're you're probably full of it. It, it, it exists. And 
we got to learn as a church to be more accepting of people's sin, not not like um, not being okay with their sin, but just being accepting about the fact that uh, okay, you sinned. What'd you do? Why'd you do it? Why'd you go there? You know, let, let's talk about it. What what's going on in your life? And it's not the sanctioning of sin. It's the recognition that it is sin. Yes. And then, okay, how can we help you to not sin in that way? And how do we change habits? How do we walk this journey? Because Christianity is a journey. It's not a, like, the destination is not yet. How, how do we help? And I think that I like that you pointed, not chastise you, mm-hmm. right? Which is two different things. And different, like, accountability is important, right? But help and not chastise. Um, so yeah, that's the invitation I wanted to give out to everybody. So I'm going to give a couple minutes the, cause we don't really address the chat too much. So if anybody has any questions over anything that we talked about tonight, now is your chance to do it. Uh, Dan's watching the chat. So if anything pops up, if there's any questions, we'll spend about two, three minutes, uh, addressing anything that you wanted to talk about. Just so you guys know, uh, Dan here is, um, is uh, one of the elders in my church, so he, he has a lot of knowledge as well, a lot of wisdom from history, so direct it towards. Maybe more wisdom than knowledge? I don't know. <laughs> maybe, maybe. Wisdom is, is um, it's, it's not something that you can claim. Wisdom is something that happens, you know, between you and the Lord and time and experiences. I don't claim, just because you have knowledge does not make you wise. Well, they say that uh, a crown of gray hair is wisdom, right? <laughs> yeah, crown of, yeah, crown of glory. I got, I got, I got like <laughs> six gray hair showed up on this side. I almost <laughs> cried the other day. Well, and again, I always try to say that to people. Just because there's an old person in your church doesn't mean that they're the wise one. Hmm. I, have, I have talked to and interacted with very wise teenagers and very immature adults or very, very immature grandparents who act in very bad ways. Yeah. So I never look at, at gray hair and say, you're wise. Well, that, 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 I think it's a proverb, isn't it? It's just telling us that um, uh, experience le- leads to wisdom, and, and that's, that's all that's saying. Uh, does anybody, if not, we'll pray us out and we'll leave. Any questions? No, they've done a good job of keeping the spammers out. Right, thanks to the mods. The, yeah, so there's a lot of people who, who help out, and mm-hmm. they just do it, which is great. Uh, so I love you guys and I appreciate you doing that, keeping out the spammers and, and the wild people on TikTok and, and YouTube and on the Discord. Uh, so with that being said too, uh, all links are down below if you want to join any of those communities, uh, TikTok, Instagram, uh, Discord, uh, got a good community in the Discord, a really good community of people. Um, and yeah, the other stuff is just kind of growing my channel. Uh, if you like what you've seen, you like these lives, please let me know. Either let me know in the comments or let me know via DM or on, on Discord or comments or wh- wherever that you can. Uh, I do listen to you guys and I do try to uh, do this for you. This is your, your guys' ed- entertainment and edification as well. And if you truly like what I'm doing, please uh, support me on Patreon. It's what helps this channel grow and it goes back into it. I make sure Dan gets absolutely nothing. Uh, I don't want anything. <laughs> he's not allowed to have anything. Um, so it helps go back into this channel. And if we don't have any questions, I'm going to pray us. I don't think we do. I just see emojis. Yep. No, no specific, um, questions other than what church denomination do you go to? <laughs> the, the one, wherever God has placed me in that is needed at the time. That's the denomination I'm a member of. The, the church that you attend would be considered non-denominational. With, yeah, with supposed some, to tell them. I was keeping it a secret. With some level of Baptist background. So, yeah, technically anyways. non-dom. Um, all right. 
God, thank you for who you are. Thank you for what you've done. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for your grace. I think sometimes we overlook that is, is the fact that, you know, we are sinners and we overlook that too. Uh, we often look upon ourselves and we think that, oh, you know, I'm a, I'm a good person. I've done good things. And we don't really actually look at our heart and we really don't examine ourselves. We don't realize the people that we've hurt, the people that we've abandoned, the people that we've cheated on or cheated, uh, the things that we've stolen, the lies that we've told, um, this, the, the betrayal. Uh, all these things, they're, they're not small. They have an effect. Uh, and, they, and it trickles out. And it, that's what sin is, is doing these small little evil things uh, that have these ripple effects and create this chaos in this world. And with that being said, God, your grace that you've given us Considered who's considering who we are is undeserving and we're greatly appreciated of it God if there's anyone that's listening to this live uh, That doesn't know you or later on that, you know is seeking you. I ask that you help them on that path It's not an easy path So I ask that you lighten it up so that they can they can see where to go and they can truly get to know you and have that relationship with you so that they can be start their sanctification start their journey and just have that joy that joy that's missing in so many people's lives, that, that, that thing that's just like that emptiness that's inside us, that, that part that you fill. God, there, we, we, seek, we seek something. We seek more. We have a desire of something that's not of this world, and I know that is you. So just help us get on that path and get back in relationship with you. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. With that being said, guys, I thank you so much for your time. I love you all and have yourselves a great night.